The scripture reading this morning is taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Good morning, Spring Garden family. It's great to be with you here in this space for worship, and I want to say thank you to the worship team for leading us so well. Um, couldn't have chosen those songs better myself. You really helped us uh, get ready to hear this passage. So this morning I want to ask you, have you heard the good news? Now, depending on your experience with this phrase, this might cause you to shudder, or it might cause some excitement. Now, sharing good news has become somewhat of an art in the world of social media. If you scroll through Facebook, you'll definitely see people finding creative ways to share their news of pregnancy or gender reveals. You know, if it's done with cake or a balloon release, it's uh, much more interesting than just uh, using the words online. In fact, you can Google creative ways to announce whatever it is, whatever life event you want to announce, and you'll be met with a list of thousands of creative ways to do this, to share your good news with the world. I was a little bit late in making our own announcement when Miles joined our family. I think it took me until he was actually six weeks old before I let uh, the social media world know that he had joined us. And uh, I will pause here just a moment to say that last time I spoke, um, the comments I got after went something like this. Um, 
It was really great uh, to hear your story that you shared with us. Uh, but what about Miles? You didn't tell us about how, how he came to be. Um, and I have to say, I only have a limited <laughs> amount of time up here, so uh, I'm not going to share that story with you uh, today. Um, but if you want to hear it, uh, you can invite me over to your house for dinner, um, take me out for coffee. I'd love uh, to share that good news story with you and tell you um, more about that. Now, I think that our need to announce good news in elaborate and creative ways is kind of a reaction to all the bad news that is going on around us, especially over the last year and a half when all the news we've been hearing has been grim and frightening. So to start out today, I thought that I would begin with sharing some of the good news headlines that came out this week. The running of the goats. An NYC park gets rid of invasive and poison plants with 24 goats living their dream life. The Wizard of Paws makes prosthetics for any animal, lending a human hand of compassion. Pandemic leads to an unlikely friendship between toddler and 99-year-old neighbor. First-time parent decides to adopt a 20-year-old. You should look that one up if you get a chance. And finally, 31 Toronto neighborhoods mark zero COVID-19 cases, including hard-hit Thorncliffe Park. Now, these are just some of the headlines that came up when I was searching for good news this week. And the passage that we heard earlier is all about the good news. And before we go any further, please join me as we pray. God, we are grateful for your word, for the gospel. And as we look at what it means, what your good news is for us, Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and show us how we can respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Depending on what translation you have, you may have read uh, the good news in this passage or the word gospel. And gospel, it's from the Greek word evangelion, which means the good news. So um, as I go on today, I'm going to use these two words interchangeably, the phrase good news with the gospel. Um, I might use the gospel a little bit more, but know that they mean the same thing. Now, a question that has come up for me a lot lately as I'm reading and even as I'm interacting with people is this, well, what is the message of the gospel? Someone pointed out to me that different people have different definitions of what the gospel is. So the next natural question then, if the gospel is the good news, what is the good news of Christ? What does it mean when Paul says that Christ is preached? So this morning we're going to answer that question. We're going to answer it by looking at two things. One, what is the message of the gospel? And two, how do we share this message with others? Now, it's important that we all have an understanding of what the gospel message is. And I think it's important that we can narrow it down to 
a one-liner, to one sentence that we think explains this. Now, I know this can be a very difficult exercise for some, and I actually reached out to several people this week to see if they could help me, and I asked them, if you had to give me, in one sentence, the message of the gospel, what would it be? And I want to share with you some of the answers that I received. The message of the gospel is that God is remaking our world into a new creation that is whole and good and invites us to join his work today of making all things new. Christ is reconciling us to God through his life, death, and resurrection. An invitation to be part of the family of God, to be his adopted child. God redeeming creation through Jesus. Jesus left heaven and came to earth to teach us how to live and love, dying on the cross to offer us forgiveness for our sins and rising to reconcile us to God. This one is borrowed from the Apostle Paul. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. The message of the gospel is the opportunity to discover the truth that makes us free to make room to be transformed. Through the sacrificial death of the God-man, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed to live out a life of faith, hope, and love. All guilt and shame are nullified by the death of Jesus for us and his resurrection, which guarantees life eternal with him. The message of the gospel is that God lives in us and walks with us through every moment of our lives. And then a bonus one. Sharing the gospel means to be as open as possible for God to use us. Starting the day with, Lord, if there is someone you have in mind that I'll encounter today, please reach through me to touch their lives according to your will. Well, thank you for everyone who sent those answers, and I got a lot more than I expected, and I really enjoyed reading what you had to say in one line. And these are all really great answers, and if you don't have a one-liner for the message of the gospel, um, then I encourage you to sit down today and write it out. You can use any of these. These are all great, and uh, just let me know which one you choose, and I'll let you know who you can thank for their words. Now, our reading today in Philippians, it shows us that Paul is concerned with the good news and with its advancement. Now, he's writing this letter from prison. He's in a prison cell, and he wants to reach out to the church in Philippi. Now, this was a church that came to be because Paul went out to preach the good news. He came across a group of women praying in Acts, and he shared the message of the gospel with them, and they received him and invited him over to their homes. 
And because of that missionary journey, a woman named Lydia ended up starting the first church in Philippi. Now, as we read this passage in Philippians 1, Paul doesn't actually outline for us what the gospel is. But I kind of took a few different themes that emerge in the rest of his letters so that we can see what Paul thinks is important as we define the gospel. There are four different truths that he gives us. Now, the first is this, that Jesus is central to the gospel. The second is that he died for humanity's redemption. The third is that Jesus rose from the dead and in doing so defeated every ruler, authority, and power, including death itself. And fourth is that God's work in Christ is available to everyone. Forgiveness of sins and new abundant life in the spirit and our hope is secure because it is founded in Christ's resurrection. I think all those truths are found uh, explained very well in the last song that we sang. So if you want a, another good way of looking at the gospel message, just, uh, just check that out again. But based on these texts, if Paul had to give the gospel message in one line, this is what it would be. Jesus died and rose again for our redemption, so death and sin would be defeated, and so we can live life in the Spirit the way God intended us to live, secure in the hope of Christ's return. I know Paul isn't the most succinct, so it's a bit long for a one-liner. But for Paul, this is what he sees as the gospel message. This is what it means to preach Christ. And Paul is probably a little bit more gracious than we might be when he's looking at others who are preaching Christ from, from wrong motivations, from greed and selfish ambition. You know, he says that it doesn't matter what their motivations are as long as Christ is preached. And that should tell us just how important it is that the gospel is shared. Because people need to hear good news. You know, as I was looking at good news headlines, searching for them, it became very clear to me that it's so much easier to find bad news than it is to find good news. Now, I'm sure that if I asked some of you this morning how you're doing, a lot of you could have bad news to share with me. And that's just part of what it is to be human. There will always be bad news. There will always be brokenness. But we hold that bad news in tension with the gospel. We hold it in light of the message of the gospel. So whether your bad news is illness or grief, if your bad news is loss or a broken relationship, you take that and you hold it knowing that Christ is making all things new. Now, because Paul believes this, he sees his present troubles as small. He sees that his chains have served to advance the gospel. You know, Paul is in prison for preaching Christ, and yet his chains haven't stopped him 
from preaching Christ. In fact, they've allowed him a larger audience, you might say. Now, it seems that because Paul has been imprisoned, the rest of the believers, the rest of the church that he is writing to, they have been emboldened by his change. And they have lost their fear, and they're now going out and preaching the gospel. And so Paul sees this as a victory for Jesus. This is success when the message of the gospel is advanced despite his own suffering. Suffering, after all, it's, it's central to the gospel. It's a part of God's redemption plan. Now, if anyone tells you that the message of the gospel is health and wealth, that it is whitened teeth and beauty, that's not true. The message of the gospel is that God brings life out of death. That suffering is never without purpose. That God will always show up and bring new life out of your pain. And Paul knows this. He has the ability to see through his chains and to see how God's redemptive purposes are playing out. And God's purposes are particularly evident in times of suffering. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It's that there is good news for those who suffer. There is good news for those who are in chains, whether literal or metaphorical. You know, it's always struck me that if the gospel is really good news, then it should be good news for everyone. Not just for those who are born in the church. Not just for those who have employment or houses. Not just those who have money or power or youth. But the gospel is for everyone. It's for those who are living in a tent encampment in Toronto or in a brothel in India. The gospel is for those living with disease. It's for those who can't afford to feed their families. It's for those who are overlooked and overworked, who are underpaid and underappreciated. The gospel is good news for everyone. And that doesn't mean that we minimize suffering. It doesn't mean that we gloss over it or sugarcoat it. No, we, we enter into suffering with one another and we grieve together and we lament. But we don't stay with our eyes downward. We lift them up to heaven. And we ask God what he will do with our suffering, what the good news is. There is one other one-liner message that I received uh, that I held back, but I want to share that one with you now. Now, I'm always interested to know how people from different cultures might respond to this question. So I reached out to one of my friends, one of my Cree friends living in Mysticini, and I asked him, if you had to narrow down the gospel message to one line, what, what would you say it is? And this was the answer he sent me. He said, assuring the people hope to eternity. 
Now, I found it interesting that his answer was very much future-focused. And this is actually very profound. This is very much in line with the way Paul has written his letter to the Philippians with that future focus. You know, Paul, he's not in a great place, and yet he's content. More than that, he's rejoicing. But how can that be? How can he have this attitude? And it's because he's looking toward the future. He knows that whether he lives or dies, that God is in control, that Christ will be preached. My first degree was in psychology. And in psychology, there's this this concept called time orientation. It says that as humans, we divide our experiences into categories of past or present or future. And depending on, on our age and on our culture, we will emphasize one of those categories more than the others. Now, this future time orientation, it's something that I've heard a lot Um, from people from racialized groups, particularly from groups that have come out of a history of suffering and oppression. And there was a study that came out a few years ago, and it was looking at the resilience of Indigenous youth in urban Canada. Now, if you read the news, you know that Indigenous youth have much higher rates of substance abuse and suicide than their non-Indigenous counterparts. This is an epidemic. And so this study was looking at resilience among these teens. And it wanted to see how how they could predict resilience, how they could see that someone would recover from what they were going through. And what they found was that those with a future time orientation did much better than those who were oriented to the past or even the present. Those who were able to imagine the future, to look toward it and make decisions in light of the future, were much more resilient than any of the others. And that's because hope makes a difference. Hope makes a difference. It doesn't mean that we ignore the past. It doesn't mean that we aren't present in our present. But it does mean that we need to know where we are going. You know, for those of us who are believers, for those of us who call ourselves disciples of Christ, our hope is found in Jesus, in Christ alone, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his promise that he is making all things new. We need to know where we are going. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that that Jesus gave us to pray, we ask that God's will will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Now, a phrase that we use to describe this, of God's will being done on earth, is the kingdom of God. We want to see the kingdom of God. We want to see righteousness and unity and peace and justice reign in our world. And the gospel is God's story of how this 
has been happening and how it is happening now and how it will continue to happen. I want you to take a look at uh, some of the, the words that emerged from the one-liner gospel messages. So, Kun, you can throw those up now. Thank you. Now, I've spent most of this time talking about what the gospel is, what the message is. And I'm going to very quickly finish by talking about how we share the gospel. I do think it's important that you have your one-liner, that you have it succinct and clear. You can expand on it later on if you'd like. But once you have that one-liner, the next question for you is, how has this been true in your own life? So if your one-liner is that Jesus is making all things new, that would be my one-liner, then the question is, well, how have you seen Jesus make you new? How have you experienced this in your life? What is your gospel story? How has the gospel transformed your life? You know, when it comes to sharing the good news, it's great that we can have uh, accurate theology, that we can use the right words and give Greek definitions. But I think more important than that is that we can say how it has been true for us, how the gospel has penetrated our hearts and transformed our very being and the way that we live and interact with one another. You know, we are all called to preach Christ and we are all called to share the gospel. Another one of the responses I received said that to share the gospel is to be the gospel. And this is a term that we use. This is the term incarnation. You know, God didn't just tell us the good news. He didn't just give us words to say what he was doing. But he came down. He sent his son to walk among us and live among us. Jesus is the good news. So incarnation means that God put skin on and showed up when we needed him most. It means that God came to die so that we could live as children of God and be free from the curse of sin. And as we experience this incarnation in our own lives, we are transformed. We are reconciled to God. So what does it mean in your life that Jesus is making all things new? What does it mean that he is transforming you? What does it mean that you are adopted into the family of God? What does it mean that you have experienced reconciliation with God, with others, with yourself? And once you can articulate that, once you can tell how God's story has shaped your own story, then I'd say you're ready to share the gospel because the next step is to listen to someone else's story and be able to look for ways that God has been shaping them and working in them. And that takes a lot of listening, that takes relationship, 
And as we look for ways to engage with the community, we're going to be looking for areas where we can have relationships, relationships that are long-term and the chance to develop them deeply and meaningfully. Because it's not just about sharing the words, it's about living them. And again, being able to see how God's story has shaped our story and the story of others. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your good news. We thank you for your love for us, that you have brought us into your family. And as we think about what that means in our own lives, God, I ask that you would open our eyes to the ways you have been at work so that we can identify that and see how you have been at work, not only in us, but in our community, in those who are around us, and in those who especially need to hear your good news. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit. Amen.